Hello and welcome to Unbossed. I am your host, Nina Turner. And can I just say on this Friday, I'm really feeling the theme song today because I need that. And every time I hear Michael Render, AKA Killer Mike, say absolutely, absolutely, after I say I am unbossed and unbossed, I don't know. It just does something to me. And you know what else has me amped today? Even though you all know I'm not feeling well this week, but I'm amped though. I hope you feel the vibe is having Mike Figueredo here on the show, the host of the Humanist Report. Mike, it's so good to have you back on Boss. How are you and what's popping over there at the Humanist Report? You know, it's it's the same stuff, different day. But I'm always happy to be back on to talk to Senator Nina Turner and you know, just have a little bit of a therapeutic rant session at some of the stories and like I'm just I'm happy to be here. Therapeutic rant session indeed. <laughs> and how do our viewers find you all the fabulous independent media work you're doing over at the Humanist Report? Well, it's Humanist Report on YouTube. You can um, find all of my socials at humanistreport.com. And yeah, on most social media websites, just search for Humanist Report and you will find me. I'm even on TikTok, although I don't post very frequently, but I'm there. Amen to that. I can relate to you. I'm on there too. Do not, I do not post a whole lot. All right, Mike and I are going to get into this. So, Barstool Sports host Ben Mintz has been fired for using the N word during a live episode. We're going to show you the clip. Take a look. Get some yayo, double up. What you need, what you need. Get some. All right, we did blur out. The bleep, we bleeped the word, but he actually said the word. And as you can see, he seems pretty amped up as he is reciting some words from the rappers Bone Thugs and Harmony. Now, Ben Mintz was fired from the company after saying that racial slur while reading rap lyrics live earlier this week. Ben Mintz claims it was an unforgivable mistake. He took to Twitter after the incident and he stated the following. This morning, I made an unforgivable mistake slipping on air while reading a song lyric. I meant no harm and have never felt worse about anything. I apologize for my actions. I am truly sorry and ashamed of myself. So that's coming from Ben Mintz. So I'm just trying to understand, and this is legitimate. So for all our viewers who are watching us live and you're gonna put your comments in the queue, really seriously, this is legitimate question. I'm just trying to understand how you slip and use the word, really. Like how by accident do you use the N word? Now here's some background on this entire saga. Popular Barstool host Ben Mintz was fired from the company after saying a racial slur while reading rap lyrics on a live stream earlier this week. Mintz, known as Mincy, received backlash when he said the N-word on his show. Wake up Mincy while rapping the song First of the Month by Bone Thugs and Harmony on Monday. Now I wanna first say, before I bring Mike in here, just don't even try this at home. I don't even know why he picked that song. And even if it didn't have the N word in it, he was not doing that song any justice whatsoever. Now, two days later, Barstool President Dave Portney posted a video to Twitter announcing that the company had fired the host. Take a look. Okay, emergency press conference time. Uh, bad news, this sucks. So today we have to fire Ben Mintz, the artist formerly known as Ben Mintz. It stems from his wake up with Mincy. Ironically, finally got to do him live and he was rapping uh, lyrics to a rap song, reading the words off his phone. And he said, and he rapped a racial slur. He turned white as a ghost. You could tell instantly, he's like, oh my God, what I do? It's like a Ron Burgundy moment. He read it, he knew he up. He's been super apologetic, like in shambles basically. And I think anybody who watched the clip, it was like, there's no way he meant to do that. He's just not the brightest bulb to ever come down the pipe. And he just screwed up and he knew he screwed up. And there was no hatred behind it, no nothing. Still awful, but not my wildest dreams. I think I'd be sitting here being like, we had to fire Ben Mintz. So now I do, I ask this again legitimately. How can a person make an honest mistake using the N word? 
And why is the transgression against the black community? Why are those transgressions acceptable? Like it is expected that the black community should quickly rush in and absolve people and just forgive them outright. But that doesn't apply to other ethnic groups or other ethnic slurs. I'm old enough to remember the wrath that came down on Kyrie Irving and so many others. I mean, it was swift. Right, and we could spend a whole show talking about the dynamics and the different judgments and sets of rules for other people. So, Mike, I just want you to jump right on in. Yeah, I mean, it feels like we have this conversation every other year where there's a bunch of conservatives who feign ignorance about when it's appropriate to use the word. And the answer, as a white person, I've always known, has been never. It's never okay, um, and so they try to find justifications. You know, where it's like, okay, well, well, what if it's a rap song and I'm quoting lyrics? What if I'm doing this? What if I'm doing that? When it's just no, and like if you if you log on to TikTok, you see a bunch of people dancing and they're singing along to songs and songs that have that word, they just don't say it in there, right? So it's it's one thing to make a mistake, but. I think that most people know where this entire conversation is going. It's going to lead to conservatives trying to justify their use of that word. And that's exactly what we saw. We're gonna get to it here in a moment probably. Matt Walsh is now defending the use of the word, why can't I say it? Why can't I say it? And a lot of like, this also goes back to, this is a little bit of a tangential issue here. But whenever there's these conversations about censorship and social media, you know, banning conservatives, it always comes down to them just wanting to say the N word. That's like almost always what this is about. Like they want to be able to say slurs and they don't want to be ostracized for it, right? That's really what this is about. But I mean, I feel like at this point in time, it's, it's, it's pretty clear. That that's not okay. Uh, we all know this. Um, they know this. Um, so I, I just feel like it, it feels redundant to have this conversation. Um, if they're gonna say it, then that's fine. But they can't expect to just not see any backlash from that. You know what I mean? Like nobody's stopping them from saying this word that they apparently very much want to say. But they don't want the social repercussions with it. They don't want the ostracization. But it doesn't work that way. Right, it doesn't work that way. We we know we've had the conversation. I just feel like what's what's left? Like, do do black people have to educate white people every every six months about when it's appropriate to use the word? Like, I just feel like it's got to be exhausting as a white person. I like I no, it's it's pretty simple. Like, why do we have to keep coming back to this? Like, it's it's exhausting. Conservatives are exhausting. Um, and, and no, I'm <laughs> yeah. with you. I'm with you, Mike, on that every six months. Yeah, it seems like every other day. And your point about you can use the word, I mean, you were right in my head. Yeah, if you want to use the word, use the word, but just know there are gonna be consequences and repercussions for the use of the word. This is America, you wanna use the word, you so amped up, it's gonna change your life forever. But just go ahead and use the word. And you're right, let's just go straight to Matt Walsh. And it is again, a decision that nobody no one can logically or morally defend. You know, the idea that there's a that there's a word that cannot be uttered under any circumstance is completely insane. And it is not something that there's no other word in the English language or any other language in existence that we have those kinds of rules for. Oh, that's not true, Matt Walsh, but I'm just trying to understand why you're defending the use of the word by white people so much or anybody else that's not black. But this tweet right here by this person just sums it up real nicely. Matt Walsh is a free human being and he can say the word all he wants. The problem for him is that he is not free from the consequences of saying the word. That's why he's upset. He wants to say the word without any social or economic consequences. He's an entitled little troll. And Mike, I think that this this person was in your head because that's exactly what you just said. They just said it a little differently, but that's it right there. You want to say the word? Go ahead and say the word. But there's going to be consequences and repercussions for you saying the word. Yeah, and you know he's trying. He's using this firing of Ben Mintz as a launching point for this broader campaign to allow 
him and white people who want to to say the word. And it's like it it never stops there. It's never just okay. I don't support Ben Mintz being fired. He made a mistake. It never stops right there in any of these instances. Go back, and you're going to see it's always well, yes, and. We should also be allowed to use the word. It always comes to that. And it really, when they say this, they're saying a lot about themselves. It shows like historical ignorance because they, to them, they don't understand the pain of that word. Like when I was first in, in college, I had a professor who came and spoke, and he was a black professor, and he explained it very clearly to me. And this stuck with me. He said, when you hear that word, you're hearing it, you know, maybe you, you hear, you think about a, a song lyric or something like that. When I hear that word, I think of my grandfather being lynched. It's very different for black people versus white people. And that's why to you, it's the small thing, right? It doesn't affect you at all, but to us, it cuts and it hurts. So that's why there's this visceral reaction to it. And to them, the fact that they see that visceral response to this word, it doesn't register with them because they, there's, there's no comparison, there's no amount of oppression that they've ever felt that would allow them to relate to that. So it's just that they're basically expressing their ignorance. And they just, again, this always comes back to, we just wanna say it, let us say it and also don't criticize us for it. Yeah, Mike, I mean, you really hit the nail on the head. You deep into my notes, cuz I'm gonna do a little history on this word. But you're absolutely right, your professor is absolutely right. And when I think about that word, I mean, for me, I taught African American history at Cuyahoga Community College, relived this experience of, of the black journey, of the, the journey of, of black Americans over and over again, every single semester, starting from the west coast of Africa to the Americas to, to present day. And it is painful. I too can remember my grandparents, you know, talking about how they at a time, you know, being born one in 1914 and other 1915 on my mother's side. But just being called that word or not being able to look white people in the eye or having to look, you know, down, you know, get off the sidewalk, you can't be next to them. I remember my maternal grandmother telling a story about how she wanted went into a store, she wanted to buy a purchase a hat. And the the white clerk said to her she had to put this covering over her head. You know, and she said, you know what, if my head is not good enough to be in this hat, my money, my damn money ain't good enough to be spent here. And so there are generations, there are still African American elders who will walk in this earth who even remember experience, having experiences just like that, or their parents had experiences like that. Like they're not that far removed from that time for that experience. And the use of that word being used to dehumanize and vilify, to rape, you know, to separate, to murder a black people. I mean, your professor really hit the nail on the head, Mike. And I am so glad that you had such a professor, which everybody had that kind of professor, no matter what ethnic or racial background they are, so that they can understand or at least try to come close to understanding why this is not a word that just should be bantied about by anybody and don't be seduced by hip hop culture. You know that that you could just pick up and use this word. And so Matt Walsh, you can use it. But just know there'll be repercussions and consequences to the use of the word. And that goes for you or anybody else. Now, Cherry Wilson wrote an article back in 2020 and it was masterful. Let's put up the headline from her article in word the troubled history of the racial slur. And the word has roots that traces back to slavery and has always been used to vilify, used by white people to vilify and dehumanize black people. And as the writer Sherry Wilson shares a part of her story, she said, when I hear the word, I shudder. I think of my dad hearing the words and Mike was getting at this. This is what his professor pretty much said, get the N word while being chased through the streets. So get the, get, get, get the, get the N word. You know, I can say the word, I don't use the word. I mean, I have people and black people who do, but get the N word. Why are they being chased in the streets of Liverpool by racist football fans as he went to watch Man City? Even the first black baseball player of Major League Baseball, Jackie Robinson, had to endure. Like, Mike, he had to be prepped before he went to play baseball. About what was gonna happen to him, what was gonna be said, what might be thrown at him, how white people might spit at him. While he is integrating, desegregating, integrating Americans' pastime when it comes to sports, baseball. 
So again, if you don't have close relationship with somebody who can break this down, if you've never taken an African American history course, which if you live in states like Florida or Texas or these other states where you got these right wing governors and legislators who are trying to take away the history, you will never be taught this. Like they're lucky, millennials are, are lucky. I don't know about what's gonna happen to G to disease and the and the generation after them. They may never even be able to understand this even from a classroom perspective. So Sherry broke that down. Now she goes on further. It's really tied. And this is coming from the article she wrote, but this is coming from Professor Andrews. It's really tied into the idea that African people aren't really human beings. They were more like an animal than a human being. A beast of burden could be bought and sold, could be thrown overboard ships and literally, like literally had no rights. This is what the N word is tied to. So put Michael up for me. So I don't understand for the life of me while people like Walsh and others are chopping at the bit to use the word. There were white people who used the word and they used it again to vilify and dehumanize black people. The professor goes on to say, put this up, put Michael up because I want him to jump in here. So when the N word is used, she goes further. That's essentially what it's used for. So I would hope most people would understand why that is deeply offensive and problematic because it still is used in that context now. Again, Professor Andrews breaking it down. So why can't white people and others fully just say the word anytime they want to without consequences or repercussions? Well, let's turn to another professor, Dr. Jackie Stanford's response in the interview as well. And this is it. And Michael, I want Mike, I want you to respond to this. This is it. This is the finer point for them geniuses who just don't get it. The word is being policed because black folks did not have a choice in the matter at a certain time when it was used to their disadvantage, to abuse and to inscribe and reinforce the sense of black people as in inferior by white people. I want y'all to underline it, I want you to bold it, I want you to exclamation point. I want you to sear this in your damn head. And it doesn't matter if you're white, if you're not black, you should not be using the word period. All right, Professor goes on, that the word survives is an act of redemption by black folks. The word survives on the conditions that black folks have inscribed for it and nobody else can take that. And because violence when other people try to take it and use it and it becomes, excuse me, violent when other people try to take it and to use it. Now I want y'all to understand that and the people in the back, I need y'all to understand what Professor Jackie Stanford just said. That is the answer, Walsh and other geniuses. Why your behinds cannot, should not, must not use the word. But if you dare to rumble in the jungle, then understand there are gonna be consequences and repercussions. Your thoughts, Mike. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful uh, quote, and what you said just just nails it perfectly. Like they are pretending as if like it's some sort of a privilege that they that black people can say it, but they can't say it. Um, and it just comes down to this is like I'm gonna reduce it to the most simple simplest form imaginable. Um, are you a good person or not? If you know that a word that you use evokes so much pain and emotions in people, why would you want to do that? Why would you go? out of your way to make the case for saying something that you know will elicit a response of pain. That recalls an era where that that word was like the last thing that black people heard as they took their last breath. Like why use that though? Like why would you want to use that word? It just, it comes down to, can we just be good people? That's the simplest way that I can describe it. Just don't, you don't need to, just don't. But if you do and you want to, again, you can, nobody's stopping you. But don't expect anyone to coddle you when you get canceled or pushback. This is something that we shouldn't have to revisit every couple of years. Like, I'm sorry, like it shouldn't have to be described. It shouldn't have to be relitigated. You know 
And to to pretend like you don't know why you can't say that is just feigning ignorance. Um, and that's what Matt Walsh is doing here and anyone else, else who's defending the use of that. That's exactly right, Mike. And, and we were saying before the show started, an alien could come from outer space and understand that real quick. In like 2.2 yeah. seconds that this word <laughs> should not be used. And your point about if you know that something causes pain, don't worry about what the black community does. Don't worry about that. Because the professor laid out, look, if black people want to use the word, they use the word. I mean, for me, I don't. You know, maybe it is because you know I'm a historian and my generation and all that. But if black people want to use it, black people use it. But Matt Walsh, that don't give you and other white folks and other people from other ethnicities and races. Don't don't use the word. And I don't even know why you're so damn giddy to use the word. Woo, Doesn't it long. seem it's so petulant? It's like you know, when you're a kid and you steal like a cookie from the cookie jar and your excuse is like, well, she did it too. It's like that's basically their argument. Like, oh, well, they they do it. Why can't I do it? Like, are you are you a five year old Matt Walsh? How right. old are you? Right. I mean, come on, just grow up. Mike, don't insult the five year olds. I'm feeling <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling insulted for the five year olds. <laughs> they're much I'm more mature than Matt Walsh. So yeah, sure. And I just I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, you summed it up. It's a word that causes and elicits pain. It's rooted in pain. It's not rooted in something beautiful. I mean, they act like it's it's a privilege or something that 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 when Matt said, "What other word in the in the American language it can't be used?" Like it was some privilege for black people to be called that. No, mm-hmm. it was not. They were being vilified, dehumanized, raped. You know, put yeah, on th- auction blocks, separated from their loved ones. Thrown in jail, beat with billy clubs, having water hoses sprayed on them, sitting at lunch counters, trying to desegregate and integrate lunch counters, being called the N-word, being spat upon, having hot coffee thrown on them. Why in the why would you want to use the freaking word? Is something wrong with these folks, America? I need all all of Americans to wrap their minds around this. We'll be back after this. I made it through this session without throwing papers up. We'll be back <laughs> after this. <laughs> and welcome back to the show. You know, we're gonna do some live reads and some viewer comments, but Mike and I were talking through during the break, and I thought he brought up a very important point based on the segment that we just did about the use of the N word and, and conservatives and others, because it's not just conservatives that use the word. I know a lot of neoliberals, you know, a lot of just white people, whatever, forget political affiliation. You just want to feel like you got a right to use it. But Michael, you brought up a very good point about what these conservatives are doing, which is they're acting as though they're the victim. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. yeah, that's a very, that's very their whole ethos. Mm-hmm. We're, we're we're being victimized if we can't push those buttons and cause pain because that gives us power. So if you take away that power, you're victimizing me. Um, it's just it's petulant, and um, they're being purposefully obtuse. They know it is petulant. You know, my grandmother, which people <laughs> viewers hear about her a lot, she would say they got more nerves than a brass ass monkey. That's what grandma <laughs> was saying right now. So <laughs> always good time for a grandma moment. All right, yes. here we go. And I'm sure the viewers know how much how deep this story is, how much, you know, that was an educational no moment. And that's why we took our time to talk about that segment, because this is not something that you just gloss over. People think, oh, it's just one of those things. No, it's not one of those things. Mm-hmm. This is important that people understand this and hopefully they'll share this segment with some other folks. All right, if you want to become a member of TYT, why don't you just go ahead and do that? We're so glad that you're viewing. We're glad that you click the like button and all of that. But come on, become a part of the family, like a deep part of the family. You can watch the damage report with John, indisputable with Dr. Russia Richie, unbossed with Nina Turner, talking about myself in the third person, the watch list with J.R. Jackson. I've always wanted to do that. Athletes do that all the time. <laughs> the Young Turks with Jink and Anna. And then you also get a bonus episode. So help independent media stay strong, become a member. And then every single day, if you want to get the progress report, you want to hear about the news, progressive news and inspiration every weekday morning. Take your smartphone, capture that Q code and get the progress report right straight to you, baby. And then as always, if you're watching Unbossed Live today, we really do appreciate you. Some of you will watch us video 
video on demand, loving that as well. Share that that you can watch by video on demand and also podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, you can listen to Unboss as well. Now to my favorite part of the show. We're gonna start off with our TYT member comments. Vicky, good to see Mike again, a whole bunch of exclamation points. And love you, XOXO. To you and Nina, get some rest on the weekend if you can. I will, Vicky. I'm gonna try my best, and I thank you guys for noticing that I'm not absolutely at 100%. I appreciate the love and the good vibes that you all are sending me today, or all week you've been sending them. And Cats and Dragon, this is one of the only things they don't have power over. What a good point. Mm. The fact that they're they're limited to not using the word frustrates them so much they continue to complain to use it. That is a really, really good point, Cats and Dragon. Thank you for that. And on Twitch, C Prince Reborn Dragon. <laughs> I love that name. Laughing my effing behind off. That was hilarious. Sneeze, Nina, bless you, feel better, <laughs> you're amazing. Thank you, C Prince. And Aliana, sure it is, y'all treat the word racist like that. Okay, Aliana, I'm kind of missing you on that, but uh, thank you, baby, for that. And the progressive carpenter, dear Nina, please take care of yourself because we don't just need you to run this show someday. We're gonna need you to run this country. Oh, thank you, much love. Thank you to Progressive Carpenter. I'm feeling that all up in, here, all here. up in here. Yeah. And on YouTube Super Chat, and Mike is agreeing with you. On YouTube Super Chat, Stephanie, hope you feel better today, Nina, with some hearts. Thank you. And Sammy Armani, the undisputed Senator Nina Turner. If watching Nina on Friday is wrong. Then I don't want to be right. <laughs> Thank you, Sammy. Are you getting a good laugh from both myself and Mike? I appreciate I love them. each and every one of you. I love it too, Mike. Thank you. Thank you all for all your comments. We couldn't get to them all, but we appreciate each and every one of you. Well, we got some bipartisan action happening, some real bipartisan action, not the kind where people just vote, one or two people vote, and they say, oh, it was bipartisan, it passed. Knowing good and well that stuff wasn't bipartisan. People were held up in hostage rooms to get those votes, but this one is truly bipartisan. A group of US House members have joined forces. And why you ask? I'm glad you did to ban stock trading for lawmakers. The act, Bipartisan Restoring Faith in Government Act was unveiled a few days ago by the following congressional members. This is a beautiful thing to see. Members leading the Bipartisan Restoring Faith in Government Act are Representative Bryan, Fitzpatrick, Rep. Matt Gates, Representative Raja, ooh, Raja, I ain't gonna mess up that last name, and then Representative Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. So we got Democrats and Republicans mixed in that, and that is a beautiful thing. This reporting is coming from Common Dreams, meaning that the following caucus have come together, or members of the following caucuses have come together the Progressive Caucus, the Freedom Caucus, and the Bipartisan Problem Solvers. Good God Almighty. What does that ban entail? The Bipartisan Restoring Faith in Government Act, which would ban federal lawmakers and their immediate relatives from owning and trading stocks. Now, momentum for such a ban has been growing in the wake of various investigations starting last year. But Democrats really missed the mark in 2022 when they controlled both the House and the Senate. You hear me complaining about things that did not happen in the 117th General, uh, General Assembly. Lord, I'm back in this, in the, in this, in the, in Ohio Senate. The 117th Congress, they could have done it then, they did not. But now they have a chance. Uh, Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick, who's leading the bill, stated the following. We must move forward on issues that unite us, including our firm belief that trust in the government must be restored and that members of Congress, including their dependents, must be prohibited from trading in stocks while they are serving in Congress and have access to sensitive inside information. This is basic common sense and basic integrity 101. And we all view this as a critical first step to return the House of Representatives back to the people. Now the duo of Matt Gates and Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez is quite the mix. 
But listen to what Representative Gates had to say. AOC is wrong a lot. She'd probably say the same thing about me, but she's not corrupt. And I will work with anyone and everyone to ensure that Congress is not so compromised. We should disallow congressional stock trading for the same reason we don't allow the referee to bet on the game. And this is not a small amount of money. $788 million worth of securities traded by members of Congress last year. Well, there it is, and I don't agree with much Representative Matt Gates has to say, but he was right on that. Can you imagine the people making the rules? Also get a chance to play the damn game before anybody else. Big mama and big papa, they don't get any inside information. Their kids don't get any inside information. But these folks that are making the rules get to break the rules at the same time. But when it comes to the act, Matt Gates stated further, members of Congress are spending their time trading futures instead of securing the futures of our fellow Americans. Go ahead. I mean, is there somebody is the invasion of the body snatchers happened? <laughs> Representative Matt Gates, I can't wait for Mike to weigh in on this. We cannot allow the swamp to prioritize investing in stocks over investing in our country. As long as concerns about insider trading hang over the legislative process, Congress will never regain the trust of the American people. Our responsibility in Congress is to serve the people, not the hedge bets on the stock market. You better go ahead on and say that, Representative Matt Gates. You you know what? You got me throwing papers for good reasons. Oh, Michael, go ahead and weigh in on that, baby. I don't even know where to begin. Like it feels like we're in the twilight zone. Um, did Matt Gates just say something that I agree unequivocally with? That makes me feel queasy almost. Like that's not supposed to happen. But I mean, I I never thought that I would say this, but Matt Gates is absolutely correct there. Um, and look, I have always like I think that a lot of progressives probably feel this way. Whenever you hear the word bipartisan legislation, you cringe because it almost always means something really terrible. It means that both parties are going to screw you for their donors and for you know multinational corporate donors. But in this instance, this is genuinely a good piece of bipartisan legislation that is long, long overdue. And to see like all spectrums. Uh, represented here, like the bipartisan problem solvers caucus and the freedom caucus and the progressive caucus. It feels really weird, but I mean, I'm I'm happy to see this. Um, I don't know if we'll get to this, but there's a couple of um, instances that the Common Dreams article highlights from the Hill, where they talk about how brazen some of these lawmakers are. Like for example, in 2022, Nancy Pelosi's husband sold millions of dollars worth of shares of a computer chip, um, of a computer chip maker as the House prepared to vote on a bill focused on domestic chip manufacturing. That's very brazen. So they're not even trying to hide the fact that like they're using their insider knowledge to benefit themselves and you know bolster their stock portfolio. So this is not something that they're even trying to hide. And like it's one of those instances where you always expect this to never happen because how do you get people like as Matt Gates was saying to use his his instance here, you know, like how do you get people um, or if you're like the referee and he's already he has the power to weigh in, like how do you convince the referee to take away that power if I can kind of like alter his analogy. And so we're asking members of Congress to effectively rein in the amount of power that they have and specifically the amount of wealth that they can accumulate. So the fact that you have, you know, Matt Gates and, and others coming together to um, produce this legislation is really, really encouraging to see. And if they put aside all of these weird niche issues that they focus on, like Republicans in particular, to try to reach across the aisle and do genuinely good populist things, I think that we'd be in a better place. So like, if this is the start of a new trend, uh, I would love to see it. I mean, I'm not gonna agree on any issue with Matt Gates, but I mean, if you could find these really narrow issues and carve out a space where him and AOC and centrists can work together, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. So it, this is weird to say. Like I feel dirty, like <laughs> saying Matt Gates did something good. Right, with you, Mike. I do feel like I'm in the twilight zone. This feels so eerie. I'm feeling off balance here. You know, right. Like what world, what what dimension did I just enter to be able to want to quote Matt Gates on this over and over again? He hit this out of the park. I can't take nothing from the brother on this one. He is a hundred, <laughs> like fifty percent right, but I'm still feeling off center. It don't feel right. No. <laughs> Matt 
gates. But I'm for it too. Yeah, this is real. This is the kind of bipartisanship that we can use and the people can use. So we'll definitely keep you posted on this legislation. Needless to say, probably Leader Pelosi is not jumping for joy over this <laughs> yeah. and others because it ain't just her. But I had to throw that shade out there just a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right, CBS put out a poll claiming the GOP could boil down to two things. Donald Trump versus Trump fatigue. But also they took a poll that shows what Republicans are looking for in an idea candidate. And we try our best to not subject you all too much to content that is totally laced about President Trump. But we need you to take a look at the poll from YouGov and CBS. Likely GOP primary voters, 85%. Uh, want their nominee to challenge woke ideas like clean air, clean water, clean food. I'm sorry, let me just go and get through this. 66% <laughs> oppose any gun restrictions, just go on and shoot at will and kill babies. 61% say says Trump won in 2020, delusional as hell. I can't help myself, I'm commentating as I go. And 57% makes liberals angry. Now, I don't know, I, I don't know, Mike, I might be able to rock with that last one. Just a <laughs> I mean, seriously, as a as a freedom fighting progressive, that last one, it has my attention. Well, <laughs> it's no doubt that the poll, you know, this is what the uh, primary voters who were polled on the Republican side is what they want their nominee. And these are the things that Republicans think make a good candidate. Now, it's important to note that nothing on this poll really has to do with any Good change for the American people. We need to put that out there just in case it wasn't obvious. But let us go ahead and break this down. We're gonna break it down by each of these qualities. 85% want them to challenge the, the nominee to challenge woke ideas. Really? Now let's just remember the definition of woke. Shall we woke? <laughs> adjective. Like we're gonna break this down all the way. <laughs> Elementary style. It is an adjective. <laughs> Woker, woke is chiefly use slang, aware of and actively attentive to important societal facts and issues, especially issues of racial and social justice. Now, originally woke and Michael just coming, I mean, the whole notion of woke was really something that the black community was using again. Some neoliberals jumped in there and started to spread this thing all over everything. It was really keep your head on the swivel, be attentive, be careful, stay woke. That's really what it was. It was an inside barbecue discussion within the black community. Then some neoliberals or liberals took it and just splattered it on everything. But your thoughts, Mike, about how 85% of the GOP primary voters polls said they need a nominee that challenges woke ideas. Yeah, when I saw this poll, um, my my head nearly exploded, but it shouldn't because it's like, it, this isn't very surprising. But I think that this poll more so than any other poll I've ever seen, it demonstrates the power of capitalist propaganda. Because as all of these people who participated in this poll are getting exploited by their employer, getting ripped off by their landlords to prioritize challenging woke ideas above your own Economic interests, your own well-being, your own healthcare—that is, you've—I mean, you've been duped. They've won. They have completely snatched your brain, and you have been brainwashed. This is propaganda in action, and it demonstrates that. Um, I don't think that the Democratic Party has anything comparable in terms of like that type of brainwashing capacity. Not, not that I want them to have that, obviously, but it just goes to show you like the power of right-wing media and the way that. These media institutions are able to elevate the salience of anything. Like you have people on the right with healthcare stories that demonstrate the need for healthcare. You know, one of them can't get insulin, or somebody, you know, is working a job for longer hours, lower wages, and they hate it. They hate their employer, but yet they care more about challenging woke ideas. I mean, it just goes to show you that like the right is very effective at taking something that 
is innocuous and just completely making that the number one thing. And I mean, challenging book, I just, this is one of the, and you kind of reference this, like this is one of those things where this word was appropriated from black people by white people. And then it was stolen by conservatives and weaponized and just used as a synonym for bad. And they've done this countless times before, but now all of a sudden woke is the boogeyman. And now we're so detached from the original meaning that woke doesn't even necessarily reference social justice causes. It's like, oh well, this box of cereal is woke because there's too many colors, and maybe if you put them together, it could be a rainbow, and that's that's a little bit too gay. It's just it's been completely distorted, and it just propaganda is powerful. That's basically like the main takeaway for me. It it gets these folks to enthusiastically root for a political party and issues in particular that have. No bearing on their actual well-being, personally, economically, physiologically. It's just, it's wild, honestly. It's wild. You better teach, teacher. You taught that lesson. The next (laughs) one, 66% oppose any gun restrictions. Now, let us remind you like we just told you yesterday. Let's put up this graphic right here. Fatal gun violence in 20. 23, 578 teens and children killed in gun violence so far. We are just in the beginning of May and this is so far. This is an absolute problem. This is immoral as hell that you don't want any type of gun regulations whatsoever. No common sense gun gun legislation or laws passed in the United States of America, really, really insane. 61% says Trump won in 2020. Now this one right here, I mean, come on, come on people, really? Seriously, y'all still on that? But this is it, Michael, I thought one of the reasons why I wanted to cover this is that it's important to understand what's going on. I mean, even though I try not to enter the minds of mad people, (laughs) mad men, mad women, we got to dip in here a little bit. And understand the psychology of what's going on. I mean, the fact that they still believe that Donald Trump won, Trump did not win. But some Republicans will try to tell you otherwise. And election disinformation and lies is dangerous to democracy. Your thoughts? Yeah. Um, you know, this here's, and this is a little bit of a cynical take on this. I, I feel like this poll is a bit bittersweet in the sense that it's really, really bad to have such a large portion of the electorate who votes, by the way, believe in these delusional things. But simultaneously, this is turning off the Republican Party to normies because this isn't going to play well in a general election. Like, you know, whoever is the Republican nominee, they they can't win on these ideas. This is going to turn off voters. So, you know, as much as the GOP primary voting base is pushing the Overton window to the right, it's also making the Republican Party not as electable. And that's good because we don't want fascists to win. But I mean, that's not to say that Democrats are our saviors. We all know who watch this show, Democrats aren't gonna save us. So it, we're in a really weird situation to where you have so many people who don't believe in the democratic process. They have been completely engulfed in conspiracies. Uh, their brains have been propagandized to the fullest extent and it's really scary because you know i'm sure that some of these people aren't too far gone but a lot of them you're just not really going to get through to them so we really have to like and again this is like an open question we have to think about how we reach these people because i don't know if there's a way to bring them back to reality like i have family members who are kind of in that bubble and you can't talk to them. You can't talk yeah. to them about the election. You can't talk to them about vaccines. You can't, there's nothing that you can really persuade them with. Like if you bring up data and statistics and facts, this this is a worldview based on emotions and feelings That's and right. vibes. So how do you how do you operate with someone who's on a completely different plane? You just yeah. it's hard to get through to them. So I honestly don't know. Like this is going to be the um, one of the issues of the century that we tackle as we try to fix all the other crises that are that are going on. There it is. I mean, it is psychological, and, and that's what the Democrat, the Republicans are very good at getting to matters of the heart. And when yeah. I say that, that this is not a compliment. This is they 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 lie to get there, but it's not cerebral. They go into the heart first to make people respond, and Democrats just don't know how to do that. I mean, as a matter of fact, they wouldn't need any tricks because tricks are for kids. If in fact they were changing material conditions, we wouldn't be in this situation. But you're absolutely right, Neil. 
fascism is is very, very dangerous. And the last point, as we know, on the poll was 57% on a nominee that will make liberals angry. I don't know, as, a, as I said, as a freedom fighting progressive, I like that for different reasons <laughs> than, than what they put out there. But listen, we're gonna keep you all posted on this. Oh, let's get ready to rumble, 2023. Four is here. It was here as soon as January 2023 hit. All right, we're traveling to Louisiana. Louisiana lawmakers kill minimum wage bill day after advancing proposal to raise their own salaries. We are not making this up. This is what this headline said. Them mofos had the pure unadulterated gall to kill minimum wage bill the day after they advanced they own advance a proposal to raise their own salaries basically they said no to raising wages for others but yes we need a raise now here's how the bill played out the house and governmental affairs committee voted 8 to 4 tuesday to advance house bill 149 by rep joe mariano to the house appropriations committee the bill would increase the lawmakers wages from 16,000 over $16,000 to $40,000, the bill would go into effect next term. Now damn, $16,000 is pretty low though, I will go ahead and say that. But why don't you give yourself a raise and get a people a raise too? I just don't understand, especially since they tax dollars are paying for your salary. Meanwhile, for other folks, the minimum wage in Louisiana is still $7.25. That is the federal minimum wage too, by the way, which directly mirrors that. and. Saw it last increase there in 2008. We still need to raise the minimum wage in this country. Again, the Democrats had the opportunity to do that, but they did not do it at all. House Bill 374, proposed by Representative Ed Larvidin and Candace Newell, Democrats, would have established an increase in the minimum wage to $10 an hour at the beginning of 2024. It would have also steadily increased to $12 in 2026 and $14 by January 1st, 2028. So that's all incrementally. The bill was voted down by the House Labor Committee on Wednesday in a vote of nine to five. We know who voted yay and who voted nay. The excuse for not passing it, reps claim the matter would spark job losses and put businesses in a tough spot. Mike, I mean, this is the excuse that they always use for not giving the people a raise. Yeah, and if I were a voter in Louisiana, I would be very angry by this because we're talking about $14 by 2028. I mean, by then, you'll need to raise it another $5. Like they're lagging behind. And like this level of selfishness is not a new phenomenon with the GOP. Just a couple of months ago, Republicans in North Dakota, they rejected a $6 million expansion for their school lunch program, which would have increased the eligibility pool so more kids would get free lunch. But then a couple of weeks after doing that, they increased their meal reimbursements for themselves. Oh that yeah, cost we covered million. that. Yeah, yeah we, we covered that, Mike, on this show. They, I mean, they're hypocrites. Yeah, it, they 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 put themselves ahead of the people who they're supposed to be representing, and that's a real problem. Like, if you live in this state, you should be angry. You should vote them out because this is not vote acceptable. They're, not they're putting acceptable. their own well-being above your own, and it's not like even if even if they pass that law, like that's not good enough. That's like. The bare minimum, fourteen dollars by twenty twenty eight. I'm sorry, that's that's yeah. embarrassing. But the fact that they rejected it, I mean, people need to be protesting. That's not okay. They should be out in the streets like our sisters and brothers in France. But alas, here we are. But there is one person on the federal level who's still pushing to increase the federal minimum wage. And Senator Bernie Sanders on Thursday called for a thirty two our work week with no pay cuts for US employees. Go ahead on Senator Bernard Sanders. He called for this in his recent op-ed with The Guardian. This headline, US workers deserve a break. It's time for 32 hour work week. Yes, yes, we need that. And the Senator is pushing for $17 an hour minimum wage increase in lieu of that 15. American workers are more productive than ever, but aren't feeling the benefits. Let's learn from Europe and reduce our hours. And here's a snippet of what he wrote for The Guardian. Moving to a $32 an hour work week with no loss of pay is not a radical idea. In fact, 
Movement in the direction is already taking place in other developed countries. France, the seventh largest economy in the world has a 35 hour work week and is considering reducing it to 32. The work week in Norway and Denmark is about 37 hours, there it is. And the Senator also pointed to a recent four day work week pilot program in the UK where 90% of participating companies said the trial was so successful that they have no plans to return to a five day work week. Lucky, lucky them. Sanders is also is one of just a handful of law, US lawmakers to endorse the 32 hour work week. Representative Mark Tankano reintroduced his 32 hour work week act legislation that would cut the standard US work week by amending the FLSA. The bill currently has just two co-signers, Rep Pramila Jayapal of Washington State, the chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus and Rep Jan Skakowski, a Democrat in Illinois. I mean, to me, Mike, this is an idea whose time has absolutely come. We're way behind our other sister industrialized nations. And to me, it's just as simple as being a damn shame that we still begging for an increase in the minimum wage and that we don't understand that by helping workers to enhance their lives, we also enhance their productivity all the way through. I mean, quality of life is vitally important for the success of people when when they're working. Yeah, I, I think that um, a quote from Bernie's op-ed uh, echoed that same sentiment there, where it's like it's not that shocking that giving people more free time is going to make them happier and lead to more productivity. Because I mean, if you spend the overwhelming majority of your days alive at a place that you hate in many instances, I mean, I hated a lot of the jobs that I worked for, some more than others. Um, it's gonna make you overall miserable and you're not gonna be as productive. So if you give people more free time to pursue their interests, their passion, to hang you know, hang out with their families, just be human beings and not focus so much on work, that is going to help them improve work. And, and there's a reason why the, uh, the pilots um, who tested this program aren't going back. It's because it had really good results. And whenever I had the opportunity to, if I had a flexible enough employer, I would always try to opt for four day work weeks instead of three day works work weeks. And they wouldn't like supplement the income. But yeah. I thought that if I could work longer days, but less days overall, I would have more free time and make me happier. And it did. So I would always opt for that because like if you have more free time, more consecutive days off, I just feel like that lets you, you could just do more things. You're just happier as a human being. So of course, if you have people who are happy, they're going to do even more for you. They're gonna produce yes. more for you. You know, you can exploit them even more possibly. Just let them be humans, you know? That's it. It makes so much sense, but damn it, you know, begrudge workers the opportunity to live a good life. A lot of these people, and I won't say all of them, but a lot of them believe that people should just work themselves literally to death without having any pleasure time. I mean, it's for quality of life matters, it matters a lot. And if people are happy, it permeates every other thing. You know, They should be able to smell the roses, tiptoe through the tulips if they want to, take a vacation every now and then, get a certified used car if they want to. You yeah. know, it's not, it's not really asking for a lot, Mike. Mike, so really more, more members of Congress should sign on to these bills. So shame on them, both Democrats and Republicans. Well, that is our time for Unbossed today. It has been an absolute blast. So sorry we could not get back to more viewer comments, but we appreciate you all so much. Again, it was fabulous as always to have Mike here with us. Please make sure you check him out on the Humanist Report. You don't want to miss it. Baby, if y'all think I go in, Mike goes in in a whole nother way. So make sure you tune in to him. And thanks again for being with us, nothing but love. Now you know what I want you to do about this time. I always, 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 no matter what, I want you to keep the faith, baby, always. But you have got to marry that faith with a whole bunch of fight. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.